Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. We are here with best-selling author Riley Sager. Riley, how you doing, Hello. Man? How are you? Good. It's good to talk to you, finally. Um, I don't think we've talked on the phone before. I know I think we've done some emails, some email interviews, but I don't think that I've actually interviewed you in, per in like this before. I'm not sure. I'm, I might have done one. Like, this, honestly, the past, like, 14 months have been, like, a <laughs> this blur so i don't even know like half the things that i did or talked to or yeah so i might have got you last for, year but i might have got you for lock every door but i'm not sure that might have been the one might have yeah been. that seems like a decade ago <laughs> it's only two books i know i mean and so now we're gonna now we're diving into survive the night of course home before dark was our crimson scribe award-winning book that we had last year for 2020 you yes. were the winner the first in that genre i mean it's kind of what genre would you kind of say it's like it's not really horror. see when, when, when you say horror i think people kind of like go but there's a difference between horror and gore you know halloween is horror but there's no gore in it it's just very suspenseful and very you know scary so i what do you like horror suspense right yeah, I mean, or, or, or just, I, I kind of just use the umbrella title thriller. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I look at, you know, Halloween is a great example. The movie Halloween is a great thriller. At a suspense pace. Yes. And, yeah. and it just, so, I mean, yeah, it can be horror, but can also be, and yeah. like you look at Scream. Scream is horror, but it's also an amazing mystery. And so, it's funny. <laughs> and it's hysterical. And yeah, there's some comedy in it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's so it's like a hard boy. It's just you know it, you just kind of get into the crux of those kinds of things, and you don't play on the edges. You play in the sandbox where some people kind of skirt the edges of how they're gonna you know their villain is eh, their villain scary but not quite that bad or something like that. But you just like to jump in the sandbox and say whatever happens happens. Yeah, I I, I don't really think about what the books are going to be labeled when I'm writing them. Mm -hmm. And even if you do, and even if you call it one thing, other people might put a different label on it. Like some of my books have been considered young adult fiction. Like, sure. <laughs> if you I, I, I sure. guess. I mean, so the, yeah, so I'm like considered mystery or horror or thriller or, or whatever. And I'm like, I just want to write a good, good book. Yeah. You know? Well, and the one thing that you haven't jumped into, and I'll just do it real fast. You're not a series guy. All your books so far have been standalones. Correct. So is there a reason for that? Is it because, and I'm wondering because, and you and Kevin O'Brien are very, for, are very uh, much familiar uh, in the way you guys write. Your books are about, you know, kind of the same. Do you know Kevin O'Brien? I do not, no. Yeah, his books are very, very good. And they're very horror-ish, you know, like that. Uh, sometimes the body count's kind of high. <laughs> and so, but the thing is, is in that genre, I think it's kind of hard to write series characters you might have a you might have a book that goes in that direction, but I don't think a whole series can go in that direction. Uh, so, what do you think? Is that kind of? Yeah, I mean, I well, <laughs> when you're talking horror movies, it's usually you know diminishing returns when it comes to sequels, and the villain and that gets kind all of the thing. praise. <laughs> yeah, and and so I just I think it part of it stems from I never want to repeat myself. Okay, and. I think I would get kind of bored if I was working on the same set of characters in the same place in the same time. And I, I don't, 
begrudge readers for wanting that. And I don't certainly don't, you know, judge writers for wanting to work in the same worlds like that and just write a series of like a dozen books. I just really, I don't have that urge. <laughs> I, I really don't. It's, it's more interesting to me to come up with a new plot and a new location and a new thing to do. Explain canvas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, let's get in here to survive the night because I'm one of those people who I love to read back of the book stuff. And I got to say, did you have to use Nirvana in the tape deck, man? I, I like, absolutely had to use Nirvana oh, in the tape deck. I mean, I'm such a fan of 80s metal that Nirvana killed me and all my bands like, right like that. So I'm not like a Nirvana <laughs> fan. <laughs> it, it was- You said tape deck, which was funny too. You didn't say CD player. There was, I mean, this, this is partly from my experience where I did not have a CD player. Me too. Until 1990, it might've been 1992. Okay. But, it, but in, in 1991, car. I was still very much a cassette person. Yeah. Yeah. In my car, I had cassette the whole time. Cause I had like, I don't know, four or 500 cassettes. And that's, and I was like, oh my God, am I really going to rebuy all these CDs? <laughs> no. So I'm going to play my cassettes until they yeah. die. <laughs> it, it, it just, it, it's a, uh, and even then, like, I don't think I had one in my car until probably, oh my gosh, it might not have been until 2000. Because oh, I was man. driving junker used cars up until yeah, that point. And they never had CD players. And now CD players are going away. Now they're not even putting CD players in cars. So oh yeah, my, my current car doesn't have one. That's like from yeah. 20. I still have one. So that's a good 18, thing. 18, I think. Yeah. But, you know, and then tell us though, let, let's get into your own words. So, so give us you know, survive the night. Tell us what you got going on here because it's a very, very, very good story that just draws you in. I mean, um, so give us, give us the background of it. Well, it's, so it is about a college student named Charlie and she is a film studies major. She's obsessed with movies, almost dangerously so <laughs> in a way, like, um, and her, her best friend was recently murdered by a man known as the campus killer. And Charlie feels a whole lot of guilt and shame and grief over that, as she should, and decides, I need to get out of campus. I need to go home. And the only way to get home as soon as possible is to go to the campus ride board, which in 1991, which is when the book takes place, was really the only way that college students Right. Can sometimes get somewhere. If their parents weren't available to come pick them up, you went to the ride board and was like, oh, there's a person going close to where I live. So maybe I can get a ride with them and split the cost of gas. Yeah. And that's how we'll get home. And it was like super common. And today you tell that to people and they're like, what? <laughs> you got to a car with strangers? Right. So she, she meets up with a guy named um, Josh Baxter and who, who works at the, the university. And he's like, I'm going your way. Let's team up and we'll drive from New Jersey to Ohio. And really not that long into the drive, Charlie begins to suspect that Josh isn't who he says he is and that he might be the campus killer, the main who murdered her roommate. Mm -hmm. And so she is stuck in a car speeding down a highway in the dead of night with a man she thinks is a serial killer. It's the... And it's such a parallel because I've driven that Pennsylvania turnpike so many times going from Ohio to New Jersey because my dad 
uh, had family. He was from New Jersey. We always had family. So we'd always drive from Columbus, Ohio on the turnpike through New Stanton all the way to Jersey. So I know that ride and it could be very boring. And to find out that you might be stuck with a killer in the car, now you're screwed going through Lancaster and Pennsylvania Dutch, <laughs> you, yeah. know, to, to where, you know, places in the Appalachian where you can hide a body and no one's going to find you. But when you were thinking of the book and you were kind of getting the creation together, was it the plot? Was it the characters? What really sang to you first? Well, the, the first thing was, was the plot. And it came to me so weirdly, like as you mentioned Home Before Dark earlier, which was just such a complex plot. It was literally two books in one and there was like ghost and, you know, family secrets and all of this stuff. And I was exhausted after writing that book. Like I was just spent but I was also contractually obliged to come up with another book. And so I'm like, wow, what can I work on? And it just, it hit me, film noir, Little Red Riding Hood. Hmm. Like just that exact phrase just popped in my head. I'm like, that could work. And I just started envisioning, you know, this, this, this girl trying to get home, literally to grandma's house. And she meets a big bad wolf. And, you know, what would that entail? Right. And when what I, you know, I decided early on to set it in the past because it's just, it's so much easier from a plotting standpoint to not well, have you to erase technology. With... Yeah, there, there were no cell phones. There was no GPS. Like she was at the mercy of a payphone and, you know, a her words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it, it really was like, I thought that that would be a perfect time because it was just before technology started to take over. Right, right. I mean, because 91, there were cell phones, but they were from expensive people and they were in cars. I think if we watch the movie 16 Candles, you know, he picks up the cell phone. <laughs> you know, sorry, Mr. Ryan's not here right now. But um, yeah, and, and I, that's what I love because now the technology is gone. So you can't just text your friend or you can't just do this or that. Like you are literally- yeah, you can't call an Uber to pick you up nothing. from this rest stop. No, like you're at the mercy of, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, and if you're dumped off, you're like, where are you? And you're like, um- I don't know, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the good thing. But when now you're talking, you got the plot and you understood, but now you're trying to create the character. So when you're getting involved in character creation, because like you said, you have a blank canvas, do you kind of, so you have this plot wiped around and then you're like, okay, now you're going to figure out the two main characters that you got, or give us your kind of in-depth look into how you do your character creation once you've kind of now figured out Big Bad Wolf and Red Riding Hood. Now go. Well, the, the the main character, Charlie, I wanted someone who, I mean, I I love movies so much. Yeah. And I think that's apparent in, in most of the books I've written. But I really wanted to do something that was just a full-on love letter to the movies. And so I thought like, okay, making her a film studies major, which... I happened to be back in the nineties when I was in college. So there was no research needed that if I did this, that would be a great way to just cram in all these different references to movies. And that's how she sees things. She doesn't see things like as a normal person, she sort of sees things through this lens of cinema that she loves so much. And so when you know, and she was even named after a Hitchcock character. And, and so it really let me have some fun with things. Like, you know, she wonders like, okay, 
in the movie Shadow of a Doubt, the character of Charlie would have done this. So maybe I should do this because that worked for her. It can work for me. And it just, so it was a really interesting way to like bring in the whole thing of movies as kind of a mindset. And it also makes her a little bit unreliable because True. sometimes she doesn't quite know what's real and what's a movie. So, and so that's, it, it really added like a more, like a playful layer to it. Like, so the readers sometimes maybe don't know if this is just all in her head or if it's really happening. But then villain creation, because you have some really good villains and that to me, it always is a villain is the thing that makes the story. I love the villain more than the hero because the villain is the one that never has to play by rules where the hero kind of plays by rules. So I really am a villain guy. So give us the insight, like when you're creating a villain personality wise and things like that, do you ever kind of look back at your last ones and say, do you want to make them more diabolical? Do I have to make them more ruthless? Or does that even enter your head and you're just focused on this book, not even really worried about what past villains and things have been have done in your books? I really don't look at, at, at the past, um, but with, with this one, I knew because, you know, most of the book is, is, is literally two people in a car. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so I knew that there had to be a great dynamic between the two of these, like between Charlie and Josh. And so I knew that Josh couldn't be the standard bad guy. Like he, there had to be sort of some charm mm -hmm. there and some layers and some uncertainty and, and Charlie, and there's like, there, there is a spark between them. Like before Charlie starts to suspect things, like there's some flirtation going on. And so I really wanted it to feel almost like it could have been maybe not a stage play, but like a radio drama where it's just, it's two characters in a car talking and there's all the suspicion swirling around between them. Like, does he suspect that I suspect that <laughs> I think that he's a killer? And it's like the and princess kind of bride. <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of mind games going right. being played. It's like, it's like that princess bride scenario where it's like, look, you thought that I know you switched to glass, which is what I know, but then you knew that I was going to know. So then I didn't do it, but then I did switch it because that's something that you didn't think that I would do. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's there's a lot of, a lot of that where it's yeah. just like, I think that he's a killer and I think he thinks that I think he's a killer and therefore I should pretend that I don't think that he's a killer. And yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of mind games. Now, you know, speaking of film, anything with any of your books i mean of course home before dark i i mean that should be a slam dunk anything that's going to happen with uh, any any talk about film or movie streaming they've i mean everything's been optioned everything's in development i don't keep track of it because i really don't have any control over it i for, for on purpose like i i love movies i love tv I don't really want to know how the sausage is made in that respect. And so <laughs> that's exactly whatever what anyone, Jeffrey Deaver said too. Yeah. And it's just like, I, here's, you, you know, here's my book. You have my blessing. If you have questions, I'm here. <laughs> and then I don't, I don't pay attention to anything else. And so I know that Hollywood is very, very fickle. And especially now with like, you know, the, the pandemic just decimating 
filming, yeah. The box office and everything. So who knows like if or when any of these things will actually get made. I would love to see something be adapted. Anything anything close or in or I mean anything nothing. nothing I, yet, huh? As far as I know, four of them are in development stage. Have you ever thought about writing a screenplay yourself? Yes, but not based on any of my books. Okay. Because you, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to start. I, I don't have that ruthlessness required to take away like large chunks of the book and, and smooth it out into a screenplay form. Like because they're very, very different beasts. And true. I know how to do the book beast. The screenplay beast, I think, would have to be an original idea. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. seems like and, and it seems like that's like the opposite where screenplay people who want to write books tend to struggle a lot more than people who write books want to write screenplays. They, you, it seems to be a lot more seamless transition doing it that way than the other way, just because writing a book is harder, I think, than a screenplay. Because, and I've interviewed Nick Santora before, and he said a really great line one time, and because he's the guy who did, you know, Scorpion and Breakout Kings, and he's done some Law and Order. And so he's done a lot of TV, and he wrote a book called 16 Digits. And he said, when I'm writing a screenplay, I can have some guy walk into a church spit into the holy water and walk out without saying a word. And you know, that guy's evil. He goes, but now in the book, I have to explain that. And he goes, that's how it gets hard is doing it that way. And so that's, and so it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I would love to try my hand at something. And I have a couple ideas rattling around up here, but maybe someday I'll get the time <laughs> to actually work on one because because right now books are keeping me super busy well you're one book a year right you're not gonna do I am, yeah. no no plans on anything more i i'm i'm trying to get my next book finished super early so i can maybe do a secret side project that i would like to do okay in the second half of this year okay but we shall see it, it might not happen yeah okay now a, a, a book a year is is that's, that's a pretty tight schedule to begin with, so. Yeah, and I think people hear that that are not authors and say, oh, yeah, you can't do more than one a year. And it's like people, you, some, people can, some people can throw them out there and are really fast maybe, but if you, to really get into the crux and make it really good, it, it does take some time. You got to percolate it. Well, yeah, but, and, and also there's like, they don't know that, that there's a whole process. Like after the book is finished, then it has to be edited and then revised and then copy edited. And then you have to review those and the types of the word and marketing <laughs> and production and again, yeah, right. promotion. And it's just so like, there's a whole like second half of the job that's goes beyond just right. sitting and typing stuff. Would you agree? I always say people writing the book is the easy part. Getting people to buy it is the hard part. Somewhat, yes, <laughs> that, is, that is true. Like some days I'd, when I'm struggling with a book, I'd be like, this is not easy. Who said that? But it is, the, the hard part is like getting people to know that this book exists. Yeah. And I've been very, very fortunate in that I've benefited from people with a very large audience. Getting a hold of your book getting a hold of my book and then telling their large audience about like my book. Right. Right. So yeah. Like that's, that's how final girls happen. Like Stephen King. I don't, 
I was going to ask you, okay, how did you get the Stephen King blurb on Final Girls? I don't know. <laughs> a true, it's it's it is it's it's such a thing. Like it, it it's a thing that literally changed my existence, and I still to this day don't know. You don't know who sent him the book behind it. Like I don't know how he got the book because it was six months before the book came out. Wow, I didn't know that anyone was sending it to him. Does Don Winslow maybe know, or do you know Don Winslow? Because they're good friends, or Greg Isles just, just maybe. In, in passing, we never met in real life. No, it, it was it was really okay. like, it was the most unexpected thing to wait. Wow. You know, it was the day after Christmas, six months before Final Girls came out, to see Stephen King, and I, I I still don't know like how he got his hands on a copy. And so he had two Christmases. December 25th and then the 26th. Yeah, yeah, it really was. It was so I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. And at this point, it's become like such a big moment in my life that right. I don't want to know the details. I just appreciate that it happened. And and you also mentioned, of course, you know, speaking of events, you got some stuff coming up here at the end of the month uh, that you're gonna be doing. Um, you got some really cool things that you're doing in conversations. Now, is all that gonna be on Zoom? Because you got some stuff with May Cobb and Jeffrey Deaver, Taylor Adams, Brad Parks. If you can get a word in edgewise with Brad, we all know Brad. <laughs> Brad and but, I go way back. I know how to interrupt him. So <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, because I'll be interviewing Brad for his book, and I've known him for quite some time. And it's like some some authors, you just have to when you interview, you're just like, so Brad, uh, what do you think of the color blue? And there's a half hour and it just goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's 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 really exciting, and that's been the really fun part. Of, of all of this is, you know, when, when we were planning this, my, my second virtual tour, which is insane that like we're doing it, we have to do it again. And some are um, ticketed. So I, I want you to explain some of that too. Yeah. How that works. Um, yeah. Like some, it, it varies from store to store. The very first night when the book comes out on June 29th, it's um, murder by the book in Houston. And it will be me in conversation with Abby Endler, who does the amazing blog, Crime by the Book. Mm-hmm. And that is a ticketed event. Like if you pre-order the book from the store, you get a ticket. And you can also get a personalized copy, which isn't really a thing when you're not visiting stores in person, but Murder by the Book has been great where they're going to be sending all of the books to my house and then I will personalize all the books that people have ordered and then packing them up and then shipping them back to Houston. So they're going to give you a list of all the names of people. So you can say, Hey Betty, thanks for the book or Hey Bob. The the list of the names and what they want said in the book. And then you got to mail it all back. And then I have to mail it all back. Book plates. Like they're sending you the actual book. The actual last, last year we had, Riley, why did you agree to that? <laughs> that we did. And this year, there's going to be like probably like twice that many. So, Jesus, Louise, your wife's going to shoot you. My, my dining room table yes, last year was like ready to collapse from just the God. weight of all of the books. So it was, it was, but that's, I mean, but I love being able to do that. Like that. Yeah. Once a year, one time. Once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Once I'm signing, I'm done. I can't believe you personalize them. I can understand maybe if you just sign them and send them off, but. You literally have to go, you know, hey, Betty, rock on or whatever, Riley. I, wow. That's why it's only one store. <laughs> that, that's true. Man, do you do that for like your local bookstore? Do you go around and like sign some copies like every so often you might go in and sign some for them? 
I I mean, if they have them, I mean, this is this is oh, something where you know they got them. I know, like this is the thing. Like last, the the closest bookstore to me is is a Barnes and Noble, and yeah, I don't like want to badmouth Barnes and Noble because I I like Barnes and Noble. But so last year, I masked up, went into that Barnes and Noble, ready to sign copies of Home Before Dark on the day it came out, and they had literally two of them. What? And I was like, well, here you go. I guess. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so wow, it was. It was weird. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are a couple indie stores probably within like 45 minutes of me that I hope to be able to get to visit in person this year around the release date to, to sign their stock. What state do you live in? I'm in New Jersey. Okay. You are in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So all my, the family was from Freehold Millstone Township. If you're familiar with that area, that's where my family all lives. Yeah, um, I'm I'm in the Princeton area, and oh, so pr- love Princeton. It's a great area. It's, it's a great town. So you are now open though. Masks are off and whatnot. So you might have a little bit of opportunity to kind of get out there and and do some stuff. Yeah, I, I do want to try to get to some some closer stores that I, I, you know, didn't have a chance to visit last year, and you know we didn't have a chance to set up a virtual thing this year that are within easy reach to, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, you take the train into the city, but I don't even know that what they're opening. I don't even, that's the problem too. I hope that a lot of these independent bookstores made it. Um, I haven't heard of them a lot. Of, I haven't heard of the bigger ones, the you know, the, the main ones being closed down. I'm sure there's some mom and pops in some places and that's too bad that that happened. Yeah, but one of the, one of the good things, well, it's not, one of the positives of this whole experience is seeing bookstores were very quick to adapt to things Mm. like you know last year i remember even i think it was maybe like late april when i still thought that i'd be going out on tour at the end of june and early july right and then it was like nope that's not gonna happen and bookstores were immediately like but we can do this we can you know hop on your laptop and we can bring a friend and you can talk to so-and-so and And I I, you know last year I got to talk to you know Megan Miranda and um and I'll I'll be doing that again this year yeah you mentioned there'll be like are they interviewing you or are you interviewing them or are you guys just talking like when you do I think it's gonna be a chat like okay yeah so it's just you and Jeff it'll be it'll just be me and Jeffrey Deaver it'll be just me and Taylor Adams it'll be me and Megan Miranda and me and Brad yeah Ask Jeff what he feels about art museums and see his answer. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to that one because he's had such this amazing career. Well, okay. Speaking of that, you do know that we, and you might not know, but we did a career interview with him and it's on YouTube. So we did three gonna, hours I'm... worth of Jeffrey Deaver YouTube where we went from the very beginning when he wasn't even published until the most recent book, which is out now. I think it's the final twist. Um, so we spanned his entire career. So he, everything was in there. And uh, he talked about his writing style and outlining and everything. So yeah, three hours. I, I suggest taking it in parts. But we also did that with Charlene Harris. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look that one up. Because yeah, he was, he, was, he was one of the first people to read Survive the Night. And yeah. He's a he great gave guy. this very generous blurb. And then he was like, yeah, I'll do this event with you. Sure. I was like, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's a great guy. He loves it. Just hopefully he's not in his um 
I think it's the North Carolina place because his internet was a little sketchy. So hopefully he's in the other place. <laughs> his internet's better. <laughs> I think now that comes, we all are. I mean, I, I just did a thing last week where my battery on my laptop died. Oh. Like right at the end of this event. And it like, they, they honestly thought that I just got tired of he's being out. part of it. <laughs> and I just was like, click, I'm out. Yeah. And I came back like five minutes later after plugging it in. I'm like, I'm so, so sorry. Oh, you should have been like, and that's how, an, and that's how a horror author. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's how a New York times bestseller leaves the room. Drop them. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Yeah. So now is the best place for everyone to find out about all of your stuff, just your uh, website, rallysagerbooks.com. Yep. That, that has all the pertinent information and I, it has links to my Instagram and my Twitter that I'm active on and my Facebook, which I'm, not so active on because i was just going to ask which social media you do the most i think twitter Twi twitter and then instagram yeah, yeah. twitter yeah. because it's easiest and you don't need a pretty picture to go along with it like you do on instagram true true there's some days where it's like i have something to say but no pretty picture to go with it yeah it's like you almost just want to get a whole bunch of food network shows and then just say something and then just put like a plate of food with it <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Now, um, do you do newsletters or blogs or anything? I didn't quite. Uh, I, didn't see I, I do have a newsletter. Um, okay. It used to be monthly. And then I ran out of things to say, <laughs> which is ridiculous as an author to say. You should but, talk about movies. You should do a monthly like newsletter thing about movies and say, break down 1978 Halloween and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, just. I was, it, it was, I was really just struggling like each month to be like, what do I talk about this month? Because when you don't tough. really when you're in the law, like, okay, my book's not coming out for another seven months. And this one's already been out for five months. Like there's not a lot to say. And so now it's, now it's quarterly. So. Okay. So yeah, you only got to think of four things to say a year. Exactly. That's a lot, a lot easier. easier. Hey, anytime you want to get on and we, you know, we get into some horror movies. I, I, I'm a horror movie junkie. I'm not a gore guy. You know, some of the gore stuff goes over the top where I just kind of find it funny, but you know, 1978 Halloween is the best movie horror movie I think ever made. So, I'm super, super psyched about Halloween Kills. I am too. But do you think, do you think they should have stopped it after that, after the Halloween 2018 or whatever it was titled? I honestly, I'm a fan of Halloween H2O from 1998. So am I. I thought that was a great ending. And so when it they decided to, to, to reboot it and sort of erase all of that. But they rebooted that part in Resurrection. You saw what happened. Did you remember Resurrection? I do not count that movie as a whole. Okay, but, but, but she died in that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis fell off the building. And, but that was, or did she die? You just saw her fall. It was, yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was glad that- The beginning that, like, part was good. So, so with the, the, the most recent Halloween- I didn't love it. I thought, you know what? I, I just, I thought it was great because you kind of, the only thing that you had to kind of do was you had to eliminate Halloween two and everything else. Like it never happened. And then we're going on this tangent. Okay. What happened if he did fall out the window and they were able to capture him before Halloween two started, what would that look like? So I, that's the way I put it in my head was, okay, they're just giving you an alternate say 78 Halloween ending and saying, this is what would have happened if he would have been captured. 
is the way I looked at it. And I thought it was great, but you do know there's a third one too, right? There's Halloween kills yeah, yes. and then Halloween ends, I think is the way something. Yeah. Something like that. But and yeah. then I know, you know, Scream 5 is coming up early next year. And yep. I'm super psyched about that one. I just watched uh, number two the other night. I just, it just, I caught it on. I just happened to keep watching it. I thought it was great. It's a good one. Yeah. So, and so that's kind of like, and I, I never asked people for their inspiration, but that sounds like that's where your head at is a lot of the times, maybe when you're kind of thinking of, you know, some of your stories. Yeah, there, I, I do take a lot of inspiration from that, like Home Before Dark was definitely inspired by the story behind the Amityville yeah. Horror. And so it, it is, I like to play around with things that have come before because they, they come with built-in expectations and then it's fun to lean into them and then subvert them and so like they're thinking oh this is one thing and then it's really something else and that's as a writer i find that really enjoyable awesome i'll tell you what riley it has been a pleasure to speak with you and again everybody survive the night june 29th check out riley sig there it is there check it out riley sagerbooks.com for any events and of course there's a couple ticketed ones so we'll you know when you're watching this interview the book is available because we're going to probably drop it the day of so they can check out the events if you wanted to get it i'm sure that's probably not going to get sold out even if it's ticketed they just want to know how many people are probably coming to some of those virtual events i'm thinking yeah i mean i think the murder by the book is the only ticketed uh the the next day on the 30th and when poison pen with may cobb that is free that's on youtube and i the one with Jeffrey Deaver is ticketed because people are receiving Taylor... a signed copy with that one. Oh, so if you buy a ticket, you get a signed copy? Yes. And will you personalize it for me if I get one? Those are those are book plates. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to do the murder by the book. And I, I'm going to sit there and say, will, will Riley personalize it and say, to the best reader ever? <laughs> Sorry about the Nirvana in the tape deck. I'm not sorry about the Nirvana and the tape deck. I refuse to apologize for that. I'm just saying, you could have been Maiden or something. I mean, could have been, but I, I know. It's, are you a Nirvana fan? Is that it? Is that it? I am because it just, you know, when that was November of 1991, I was a senior in high school. And, okay. you know, at the time, the, you know, the, the radio was just playing Paula Abdul and Amy Grant and, you know, Millie Vanilli or whoever. And yeah. then like Nirvana just crashed in like a bolt of lightning. Everything. Crashed it all. And it just was like, boom. Yeah. And when you're a teenager and you heard that, you heard smells like teen spirit for the first time. Like, See, I graduated was, was in 88. You know, so yeah. 88, my big, when, my big uh, album when I was graduating was Hysteria from Def Leppard. Mm, I mean, that was one. everywhere. I mean, that album was everywhere, everywhere. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, my daughter loved both of your books. She read both, Survive the Night and, you know, Home Before Dark. Oh, and Lock Every Door. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. She's a huge fan of yours. because, But she's a huge horror film guy. So she'll come over sometimes to spend the night, and it's like, okay, we're going to do horror night. And so we'll sit here, and, you know, and I'm getting her involved in the Friday the 13th series because she's seen all the Halloweens. And I'm like, all right, now we're now we're on Friday the 13th, part three. And I'm like, this is where he gets his mask. So I'm trying to like, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> she thought the first two were good. She thought Friday the 13th one and two were good. And I'm like, they are good movies. I mean, yeah, they're slasher movies. You know what you're getting into, but they're still not bad movies. Um, you know, I mean, how can you stop Kevin Bacon from dying in the first one? I mean, this is his first film. Yeah. Kevin Bacon still died in the most horrific way you want to die. Scares me well, to this day. I saw an interview with him recently and he talked about like the thing he gets asked to sign the most is like the picture of him dead with like the spike through spike his neck. The, the, the arrow. And he, and he, he's just like, it's like, it's so weird that people come up to me with this picture of my bloody corpse asking yeah. me to sign it. And I imagine that that is truly surreal. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Riley, it has been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for, for joining Great. us. Always a pleasure. You come on whenever you want. I, I, I'm happy you know, to do it anytime. We can contact each other. We got Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Some, someone drops out and you need a guest. Just be like, hey. Riley, come on. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, it's do been this. a pleasure. Sure. Wish you nothing but the best. And Absolute again, pleasure. survive the night. Home run. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. All right.